The warm evening is enveloping. The sun has set a few hours ago and voices are heard from the backyard. The gate opens and a table full of guests presents itself. Glasses glimmer in the candlelight, liquid swooshing as they are brought up for toasts. Plates and bowls are passed from hand to hand as the smell of meats, smoked cheeses, cilantro, cumin and cinnamon fill the air. Conversations are flowing, swelling from a soft buzz into loud laughter. An empty chair stands by one of the hostesses. Come, sit down, enjoy the taste and flavors, and listen in. We're so glad you made it tonight. Before you go, come say hi to Fernando Troche. Fernando is a classical guitarist from Uruguay, and he's been playing for us tonight. Let's talk to him. My name is Fernando Troche, and I'm uh, from Uruguay, and I'm a classical guitarist. I'm currently part of the artist program at the College of Charleston, South Carolina. So, what's new? It's not new what I'm doing, but it's new the results of it. So I was in Spain, and then when I came here to do the artist certificate program at the College of Charleston, I started with this project that uh, is old tangos, so I started arranging it for guitar and voice. My cousin, Martin, remember him? Martinus Palmer, he's an incredible tenor. He's singing at the Teatro de la Zarzuela in Spain and stuff like that, you know, big roles. So he's going to be singing these tangos and the arrangements are for guitar and his type of voice. So I've been working on that. It's like nine tangos for guitar and voice and two tangos for solo guitar. Nice. So this semester I'm publishing one of those solo guitar pieces. I started the first half of this arrangement for this solo tango in 2016. So you actually do the arrangements for these? Yes, yes, yes. It's um, it's kind of like uh, playing Tetris. Yeah, it's kind of because you have like the whole orchestra and what you do is kind of like a reduction of the orchestra. Try to put it in the guitar, you know. It's actually simple the way once you, you listen to it, it looks like it's a piece written for guitar but the work behind it is feels like little tiny pieces of music that you have to arrange somehow to fit on the guitar you know because the guitar is it has some limits you know that it's not like a piano that you can just play pretty much all the notes from like really low notes to high notes and it's more like uh, something that is right there and the guitar you have only six strings and the notes, the register of it, it's not that big. It's kind of like a game. Maybe sometimes just two measures take the whole day to arrange. It sounds like you got your work cut out, you know? Yeah. So this is this is what is, is new. Is uh, I finished it, I would say, like last year. I finished all the arrangements. And then I started recording it. And we are putting together the recording now. And hopefully for the beginning of the year, everything is going to be done and we'll release this album. Other things are new that come with that work. So the head of the youth orchestra in Uruguay listened to one of these arrangements and he wanted to do something with orchestra and guitar and voice for that. That's kind of like new to me because I 
don't arrange for orchestra. I just arrange for guitar. <laughs> so this is kind of like uh, new stuff for me. So I'm trying to collect information and trying to write stuff. And then I'm, I have help with other composers and stuff like that. And trying to put together. It's not going to be the whole thing. Probably it's going to be like three of my arrangements for orchestra, guitar, and voice. Cool. That's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. I remember this story about how you got into playing guitar, how you decided to become a guitarist. Weren't you going to be a lawyer or something? Like your parents wanted you to be a lawyer? It's not just like that. It's kind of like I was studying that. I was doing like a bachelor's or something in administrative stuff. With that degree, you kind of go from high school to the university kind of straight, you know. At the beginning, I actually started in a, they call it like a technical school that uh, is for like computer stuff, pretty much like uh, programming and all those things. Then I switched to this other orientation. That was the one I was gonna probably if I continue I was probably gonna end up doing some kind of law school actually I started guitar when I was 14 I was kind of like older than most of the classical guitarists out there because before that I was pretty much playing soccer the whole day (laughs) you know I went to school and then after school I would play soccer my uncle started like showing me some stuff on the guitar and then my cousin too and then I have a friend that also played guitar and he taught me I remember the first part of Nothing Else Matter from Metallica and I picked it up right away you know I practiced like in front of him like five minutes and he was like wow you just got it man I taught these things to so many people and it takes a while you know yeah that's crazy because I grew up with like my dad and my brothers playing guitar and they always tried to teach me and I mean I just can't even get the chords you know it's just like you know I can't do it whatever (laughs) (laughs) yeah I think everybody can play but it takes different time to learn you know and process the information and but I think everybody can play I'm not saying like they can play excellent but uh, music is I think is for most people possible to do any kind of instrument. I remember back in Uruguay when I was teaching this kid, he was like no rhythm at all, you know, but he was so into it that he actually got to be a good player and he had his band and everything, but it took him like probably longer than other kids that they didn't put too much effort on it. So at the end, it's usually if you are disciplined and if you are constant, you know, like you get there. That's in my experience. Yeah, consistency, you know, that's really how you master anything, you know. You're still teaching also? Yes, now I'm going to be teaching here at this Porter Gout School in Charleston and also do like private lessons. That's something that I like to do too. Teaching always uh, is something that I like to do. You know, I like to talk a lot. That's the problem. (laughs) (laughs) I remember you always used to say it was something like, I feel like I'm learning when I'm teaching somebody at the same time. Yeah, it's kind of like when you teach sometimes, it's kind of like a reminder of things, especially things that you are just not paying attention sometimes because you just do it something unconscious, like riding a bike. All of a sudden you have to explain to somebody 
how to ride a bike again. And so you start focusing again of stuff you do when you ride a bike. This is kind of the same. Sometimes you have to explain stuff. You say, oh, now I pay attention again to this part of the music or this technique. So yeah, that's kind of like a constant reminder of stuff when you teach. I think it's healthier if you do that than if you don't teach at all. Yeah, it just like sort of reinforces all the things that you do and then you don't think about, you know? Exactly. Going back to your question, what is new? This thing that I started because before that I was arranging stuff from more like classical music, a Spanish classical music that was written for piano and I was arranging or transcribing for guitar. But then when I started with these tangos, it's uh, my grandfather. I remember him like always after having like lunch or after having some breakfast or something, he would sit in front of the house and in the porch or somewhere that, and listen to the radio. It was the radio just were tangos all the time. And he was singing all the lyrics by memories. I'm talking about like hundreds of songs, you know. I picked few of the, those tangos that I think I like the most and organize this thing kind of like in memory, you know, trying to keep that memory of him too. You know? Yeah, that's really cool. Um, so it actually relates back to your childhood and in Uruguay. Exactly. Yeah. Also, besides working, he was like a manager in a textile factory. And besides working, he was a coach soccer for a soccer team, like local soccer team. And in the the meetings they have, you know, with the board of this of the club and everything, he would sing sometimes, you know, <laughs> like because he knew all the songs and they would they would ask him to sing. I remember all his stories about that and kind of like I think it's cool to to kind of have younger people picking up that part of the culture, you know. Yeah, that's so neat. Are there any other ways that growing up in Uruguay has influenced your artistic practice? Oh, well, yeah, it's, I would say in Argentina and Uruguay and also Brazil and most of the, those countries in South America, this type of guitar, you know, this, this Spanish guitar, like nylon strings, it's kind of like the national instrument of the countries. So that was always uh, in the back of my mind. Anything you hear like is like that. Uh, the country music there is like that, you know, folk music is like that. The beginning of the tangos actually were like that, just like guitar and, and maybe like voice or guitar and flute or guitar, stuff like that. Then they incorporated the bandoneon, which is kind of like an accordion. So that kind of culture was always in, in the back of my head. And I would say like for people in Spain would be like maybe flamenco or other stuff like is something really strong that you can relate right away. Oh, this is flamenco. From my country would say like, okay, this is tango. We have also other stuff that is pretty strong that is called candombe, that that's more like from the African side of the, the culture. They have drums and then they incorporated other instruments. So I would say, yes, it's the, the culture there, the musical stuff is rich in that area. For me, I think it, that's kind of like, I feel the music, you know, I'm not, I didn't start training as a classical guitarist. I started like, uh, I would say like folk music, pop music, and maybe then I incorporated rock, bossa novas and jazz. And then when I was older, I started fully into the classical world. 
uh, when I was like 23, 24. So when I started playing classical guitar, actually uh, my phrasing and my feeling and everything were more, I would say, I had that that weight of playing. It's like you had an accent. Yes, that's it's, it's exactly the same. It's like when you learn like me, when I learned English when I was way older, I have my accent. So it's kind of the same with music. When you come from another world, because like classical music is completely different world from the other styles. I think I have something that is there. It's an accent, like you said, in my way of playing. That's so interesting. You know, you don't really think about that stuff. I mean, I guess I don't because I'm not a musician, but I could see that. It's exactly what you, you said. It's like when you speak a new language, unless you you are when you are really, really, really young and you start speaking, then you have almost not. No, like just like native accent for me would be like like that that's a good analogy yeah because like you know you have that certain like flair or um rhythm that you're just unconsciously used to if we do that continue that analogy would be like when you listen to italian guy speaking english or a brazilian guy or a, a russian guy people that learn when they were i would say older than 18 years old you can kind of like tell you know, they are speaking English, but the phrasing of the speaking, everything like goes up and down, you know, and stuff like that. And usually some people like speak like going up. Hey, how are you doing? You know, other people speak down. Hey, how are you doing? You know, that would be like uh, just like the easiest example. But then every language have the same thing, you know, the Spanish from Spain is different than from Uruguay and it's different from Cuba and it's different from Venezuela. The phrasing of that speaking is different. I would say like the in the music is kind of the same. Even though you you learn different styles and like if you play Baroque or you play like a Renaissance or you play a classical or you play modern stuff, there is something that is your way of saying it. So I think that's kind of like having my musical DNA. Yeah, totally. Also, you said that Uruguay is very, or Uruguayan music is very influenced by Argentinian music, or it's very close to that. Yeah, but it's kind of like culture-wise, it's kind of the same. You know, they call it Rio Platense, that which means uh, people from Buenos Aires close to the port. And people from Uruguay, that region, they call Rio Platense because it's the river, widest river in the world. So from there, it, it comes the tango, for example. Tango is at the beginning of 1900s or even before that. It's just from that region. Then it went to Paris. So that's why you also have a, like, a couple influence from Paris. The most popular guy that's called Carlos Gardel. He lived in Paris and he recorded stuff there. That style that music just come from that region you don't have tango coming from i don't know venezuela or something like that and the same with uh, i was telling the, this other thing the candombe for example in uruguay is in uruguay there is not other candombe is in uruguay and then came from africa there is not other country that have that that type of rhythm it's like three different kind of drums i think each region in argentina uruguay or south of brazil they have their their own stuff but kind of they they have the same thing for example the gaucho is pretty much common in those three areas and it's the same it's like a, a south american cowboy that uh, is good with riding horses it may be also 
good at doing some kind of singing and playing some kind of guitar, you know. It's a really rich region. Yeah, that's cool. I haven't been that far down. I need to go visit sometime. It'd be fun. You'll see that pretty much is, people are like European, you know, because most of them, like, for example, my family is Basque and French. But then I grew up also in Argentina. My friends' grandparents were all like either Italian or from Spain, from Galicia, you know. And so they would speak their own language, you know, or dialects. And and I kind of like grew up with that. I would go and play with friends and their grandparents were speaking this dialect from Italy, you know, or, or from Spain or stuff like that. But yeah, it's pretty much... I would say Spanish and Italian is like the majority of the people there. And then you have also German and from other countries. So that's pretty much the culture. That's so cool. And the way we speak is kind of the same. Argentinian, I would say they speak Spanish, but with more like Italian melodies, let's say. And we, we don't have that much, you know, we have kind of like a mix. That's my perception, at least. Gotcha. That's pretty cool. So was there anything else you wanted to share? Kind of like these past years, it's been like a, a lot of work for me. When you do these kind of arrangements, you are composing. And one funny part of it is that I feel now that the work is done and I'm going back and trying to play, you know, the arrangements, like put it together like, as a performer. I feel like there's like two Fernandos. One is the, the, the guy that was like with the guitar in front of the computer and listening to all this music and, and writing the music. And the other Fernando is the, white, the, the guy that sits in front of the score and try to play that music. So it's kind of like a double personality, you know? It's, and sometimes I'm, as a performer, I'm like, oh, wow, this part is so cool. How I managed to create that part. So it's kind of like, I don't know what happened there because that was another Fernando. <laughs> that's, that's something like I found that was pretty interesting in the way it works, you know, when you are composing or arranging or doing arrangements and then when you are actually just performing it. It seems like it's good experience to have on both sides, you know? Yes, yes. Was that That's something that most composers, they compose, but they don't actually get to play the compositions. Usually it's some, if they compose for a, a chamber music or stuff like that, somebody else have to play it, right? For me, it's kind of like I was composing this knowing that I can play it. My other Fernando, let's say, was going to be able to play it. I wasn't thinking about somebody else. I was just thinking about if I can do it, that would be fine. So yeah, that, that was something that this past month that when I started practicing again, was kind of like got that surprise, you know, it was a nice surprise that saying like, wow, I was able to pull out to have all this work done and I don't know how I did it. That's pretty cool. It's like you uh, went into a little like trance or something, you know? Yeah, that's especially during like uh, last year when we were doing the quarantine. I was pretty much all morning working on that kind of like uh, gone, you know, drinking my mate. <laughs> <laughs> and I would be like from, I don't know, like eight or nine in the morning till like one in the afternoon, just doing that, working on those arrangements. So that's what I think it was a big chunk 
of time that I got into this, like you said, like a bubble. I was just doing that. That's why I, now it feels like that was another person in that bubble. Yeah, I can relate to that. Like if, if I'm writing something or, you know, any kind of task that you get absorbed in. Yeah. Or, you know, I look at a painting that I did and I'm like, oh, yeah, I actually did that. You know, it's weird. Yeah, you just now at the, in this point, you just see the results of it. So kind of like you forgot about the, the process that it was pretty hard, actually. <laughs> yeah. Like if I went back and tried to recreate it, I, I couldn't do it the same way. You know what I no, mean? No. Yeah. It's impossible for me now to think about trying to do. That's what I mean. These are, are the arrangements. Are, I'm done with tangos. I'm not arranging for tangos, guitar tangos for a while. You know, I'm going to start doing some other project. The process was good, but I don't want to be in that situation again because I know that it was really hard. I want to do something that is also hard, but new, you know, so it feels new. Yeah. So it's easier to do something hard, new, because you have new inspiration. Right. So what, what would you look forward to doing then? Have you thought about it? One of the projects I have would be also like kind of like Brazilian music for solo guitar. Kind of the same, having kind of like a, a set of 10 pieces for solo guitar, like bossa novas and maybe also some like Central American boleros or stuff like that. But that would be for solo guitar, I don't think it would be for guitar and voice. I also I started working a little bit on that uh, years ago and I kind of pause it. I want to resume doing that. That'll be cool. Yeah. Hi everyone, thank you for listening. Don't forget to look at the works featured in this episode on theartistconfluence.com. Stay tuned for more episodes in this series featuring Latinx artists in the coming weeks. If you like this episode, please share it with friends and review us on Apple Podcasts. Music is performed by Fernando Troche, and the name of the song is Torre Bermeja by Isaac Elbenis.